Hi everyone, I've got with me Phil Harris, one of the stars at ARIC. We're going to talk a little bit about his presentation, we're going to talk about him as an attraction business and we're also going to talk about takeaway points to get you guys cracking. Phil, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Good to meet you. You're looking at a million dollars. Thank you. Is that important in real estate? Uh, well, I'd like to think so, yeah. I think presentation is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your guys well presented? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm quite um, meticulous about it. I guess I like people to present well. I think that um, if you know, first things first, if you present well and then you actually know what you're talking about, I think you're almost uh, 90% of the way there. Okay. Uh, this goes out to 14,000 people. Most of those aren't in South Australia. In case some people don't know Phil Harris and the Phil Harris brand, give us a 60-second snapshot. Um, so Harris Real Estate, we started in 2010, so we're just finishing our fourth year of, um, of business now. We started with five staff, we've grown, we're probably just over 60 staff now. Uh, we've got three offices um, here in Adelaide. Um, across those three offices, um, we sell between kind of 60 and 70 properties per month. So that's quite a, a high um, turnover of sales that we do. Um, we average price? Average sale price around 600000 So yeah. for Adelaide, we deal in the middle to upper part of the market. Um, and we have a, a property management business, about a 1,000 properties as well. So, um, I guess so how old are you? Well, I'm 33 now. Yeah. So you've been doing it since age 30? Uh, so my business? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, fraction before. Okay. So Phil, before opening the business, you were in sales for how long? Yeah, so I did it basically just under a decade of sales. I started with Ray White in a franchise. Yeah. I, I effectively did five years there. Then I moved across to Toop and Toop, where I did almost five years um, yeah. with them, and then went out as an independent from there. Were you a good salesman? Uh, yeah, I always did quite well. Yeah. So, yeah. Like um, in your best years, what sort of dollars were you riding? Uh, I think in my in my my. My best year I had in um, as a salesperson, my first year when I opened the business at Harris Real Estate, I wrote just a fraction under 1.2 million. That yeah. was my best year. Yeah. Um, prior to that, um, I, I think my best year prior to that at Toop and Toop, I did just over 90 transactions for the year, so I didn't quite hit 100. Okay. Let me ask you, are you selling now and listing? Uh, I am selling, but not as much as what I was used to. You know, I, I, you know, I used to sell anywhere between kind of 8 to 10 properties, so I'm probably now... I might do a couple of sales per month. That's basically all now. Not a whole lot, but just focusing on key clients that, that want to deal with me. Right. Most of the people that watch these videos are people that are 250, writing 300 grand a year. Sure. The number one thing that they want to know is how to get into more listing presentations. Yeah. The thing that keeps them up at night the most is how do I get more listings? Mm -hmm. um, what advice do you give to those agents? I think that... As you progress as an agent, your, your skills always, you know, marginally get better, yeah? Would I say that I'm a whole lot better at listing and selling now than what I was five years ago? Probably not, but I am better, but not significantly. I think the major difference that I see is that agents who are writing 250-300 compared to somebody writing a million dollars, the actual skill set of listing and selling is sometimes not a whole lot different. It's just that the opportunity to get in front of more people. So there's more leverage and there's better structure within those um, sorts of agents who gives them the opportunity to actually just list and sell more property. Right, okay. That's a huge takeaway point, Phil, because to me what you're saying is don't get obsessed with, it, with having to be like the perfect at everything. The truth is just put yourself in more situations and make it easy for people to say yes to you more often. Um, is that really yeah, hundred hundred percent? You know, I think that you know, agents try and make this business a whole lot more complicated than what it is, and 
you know, speaking about Eric, I spoke about, you know, three basic things of, you know, prospect, list and sell, like that's your core focus. So, yeah, as I said, your skill set's only going to get so good, but if you can just focus on these, those three core areas, don't get kind of too fascinated with having the, the best world's listing presentation. Of course, that's important to have that, but just get in front of more people and okay. another stack in your favour. So, at Eric, you spoke about prospect, um, list, prospect, list and sell. Yeah. Okay. What's prospecting look like for you? Uh, well, pro- yeah, probably one of the biggest tips I was ever given about prospecting is you don't have to be great, you just got to come and be there, you yeah. know? Um, an analogy that I was given once from, you know, a great sales trainer was that, you know, for two fifty three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 a year, would I come and vacuum this room for five hours a day if somebody's going to pay me three hundred grand a year? Yeah, and I'd say, well, yeah, I probably would do that. But then if you look at that analogy, for prospecting is as simple as eight, but we can't get salespeople. Prospect for three hours a day. So you come and vacuum a floor for 300 grand a year, you know, for a, for a five hour period. But prospecting, if you can just get on the telephone every single morning, five days a week for three or four hours, your skills don't have to be great, but just through the sheer volume of talking to the right people at the right moment, that's going to generate a lot of business. You know? Yeah. Okay, so you see as an employer now, as a leader, um, in three offices, you see good people, um, you see average people. What are some of the traits you see of the good people? Obviously, prospecting is one of them. They, they get on the phones. Yeah, prospect. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but but interestingly enough, is that if we get somebody who's doing average numbers compared to somebody that's doing great numbers, if we just sat them both down for one hour and said, right, you've now got to do a one hour of prospecting each. If we actually both get them sitting there at the table, yeah, the person who's not doing as good at numbers over that hour though. They actually do almost as good as the person who's doing the great numbers, but the difference is the person who writes the great numbers, they do it every day. Right. So what I'm seeing is not always in the skill set, but the discipline of the good operator who they don't just do one good day of prospecting in their career, they make sure they do it each and every single day, and that's the biggest difference that I'm seeing between a good operator and an average operator. Absolutely. So... Um, if you're watching this, let me tell you, this spur-of-the-moment behaviour, up one day, down another day, uh, pump to prospect after a national conference or an ARIC, down the following week, that's what typically happens in real estate. It's full of people up and down, you know, spur-of-the-moment stuff. Where what you're saying is good people do same stuff as a routine, as a habit. Yeah, and I don't want it to sound kind of robotic, like, but, but real estate, if you can, you know, there are some fundamental patterns that if you get them right, you will be successful. So just as, you know, you talk about joining the 5 a.m. club and you get up and exercise and brush your teeth, but if you can make a habit that says every morning that you start in at the office by 8 o'clock and you ring every single vendor that you've got, and then from 8.30 to 11.30, if you're disciplined enough to say, hey, I'm going to pick up the phone and make 30, 40 telephone calls every morning as a pattern. So irrespective of whatever else is going on in your life, whether you've got a deal going on here or you've got this going on there, but every single morning, if you prospect for that two or three hours as a pattern, so it becomes part of your DNA, yeah. uh, we are within three or six months create that habit and, and you're right, you know, what most people regard as extraordinary numbers, but they're not extraordinary numbers, it's just doing the basics every day. Okay, Phil, you touched on something at Arab called the AM and PM, mm-hmm. and can you share what you meant by that? Uh, yeah, AM and PM to me is I look at you know the the daily ritual of a successful real estate agent, 
and it's about splitting your day into two different states, if that's what you want to call it, state of mind. Yeah. So I'm of a believer from of my observations of the best in this business that the AM, so before midday, is what I call an intense state. Yeah. So between the hours of 8am and 12pm, I actually, and I spoke about this, I don't mind seeing salespeople having a little bit of almost uneasy anxiety in the system, if that makes sense, because between the hours of 8 and 12, that's where you've got to be focused, and there needs to be a real intensity around picking up the phone for that two or three hour period in the morning, yeah, so yeah. five days a week. The PM, I call it a relaxed day, and that's a very different energy. So in the morning, if you're standing up with your headset on, smashing out 20, 30 calls, really high energy, intense, doing that, the afternoon is a different energy, which is showing buyers property, being more relaxed, and actually listing properties in the lounge room, face-to-face with the vendor, well, that's a different energy, that's a different connection that you'd have with somebody without so much intensity, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So I don't mind, you know, I think people have got this misperception of real estate agents, you've got to be robotic and be going 24-7 all day. I don't think that's the case at all. But if you're focused enough to say, hey, every morning I come in and I'm really intense, and in the afternoon, don't be afraid to go and have a coffee with a mate or a friend or a past client or in a much more relaxed manner. So it's about splitting your energy up to being intense in the morning and the afternoon is more of that, that relaxed um, state of mind. Right. Okay. I consider you an attraction business. Sure. I consider your brand, it sort of interrupts people's um, uh, uh, mindset. Like they're sitting there, uh, Harris. Sure. You're reasonably good at getting vendor paid marketing, both in print and online and in other marketing activities. What's the secret there? Why is it that some agents get VPA and some other agents don't get VPA? Uh, well, a couple of things. I think, I mean, why do agents not get good VA, VPA? Well, the best agents generally get the VPA, so I think that it, it firmly comes from a confidence issue. Right. Yeah? So why do you not get VPA? Generally, it's because it's due to fear. Yeah. So the first priority in most agents' mind is, I've got to get this listing. Why do I have to get this listing? Because I'm so desperate to get the listing because I've only listed one for the month and I'm mainly on five grand down in debit with the boss or whatever it might be. So it comes from a scarcity mindset, which yeah. is I'll do anything I possibly can to get this client to sign up with me. Yeah? Whereas an agent who is a attraction agent, to use your words, they're going in there not fast, whether they miss it, of course they want it, but they're not there with a self-interest to say, I'm so desperate to get this listing. They're going in there with a mindset, which is, I'm here to tell you the best advice that you need to make a well-informed real estate decision. So there's no fear in missing out. So there's no fear in recommending an aggressive marketing campaign. That's how I see it. And then that comes back to why is there a scarcity mentality? Because you don't prospect with two or three hours per day. Whereas if you prospect it every day, yeah, gradually the small stuff takes care of the big stuff, which means you'd be in more lounge rooms. And if you're in more lounge rooms, you'll get more listings. And if you're getting more listings, you're not afraid to actually put the truth on the table, which is you need to market and expose your property if you're about getting a great price. Except most agents come in with a fear, which is I need this listing to get by. Okay, Phil, that's the best two minutes I've heard in the last 12 months on the summary of the inner agent, of the fact that 
it's not the behaviour, it's how you think about what you're doing. And I think you have just summed it up so much. An agent that thinks abundance, an agent that thinks that my whole life does not depend if you don't go with my advice because there are other listings out there. An agent that doesn't have what I call attachment, which is that they're totally attached and their life depends on getting that listing, comes across as being needy and clingy and desperate and from a position of fear and an agent that comes through with um, abundance and detachment carries themselves in a position that this is actually the best thing for you. I'm telling you what you should be doing, um, not what you need to hear, because I'm actually scared and I'm going to actually try. And it's the agents that struggle, I think, actually try and win the business on fee. On discounting. Yeah. Discounting, but not on process. Yeah, I don't think that's the thing with VPA. Like... We talk about it and we, and we kind of want this magic dialogue or a magic prop or something that's going to get VPA. And I agree that those tools will help, but the problem is far back down the line, which comes back to a lack of opportunity. So when there's a lack of opportunity, you're in the lounge room, you're fearful, then you're actually not putting forward the recommendations that that client really needs to get the best possible outcome in the marketplace. And I remember uh, I saw an interview with John McGrath going back years ago. And he spoke about that, you know, irrespective of whatever the client thought they needed, John's kind of impression of listing presentation was to be there and give such good quality information, irrespective of whether it was what they wanted to know or not, that even if they didn't list with him, they would be better off in a real estate perspective going into somebody else because of the information that he delivered. And so when you have that psychology going to listing presentation, which yeah. is whether you list with me or not, you're going to be better off because I'm going to tell you how it is. And that's kind of very empowering for a for okay. agent. Another huge takeaway point. When, you, when, when you're positioned as being a helper agent, not a seller agent, which is, I want you to do this because it's good for me, but I want you to do this because it's good for you. You actually come across um, as someone that's authentic, trustworthy, and what you're saying to me is, yes, the scripts and dialogues and the templates useful tools, but they're going to forget those things, but they'll never forget the feeling that you've left them with. 100%. Right? Yeah. So those, those five minutes, really, uh, I hate harping on things that I actually think uh, they excite me. And I think that they should excite you if you could get your mind across that if you've got lots of listing presentations to go to, you will tell them the thing that's right for them because you don't have scarcity. Mm. Phil, I want to talk to you a little bit about being organised. You know, um, any tips there on, on people? Some people, they seem to be structured and focused and they seem to do the stuff that matters. Any tips there on being organised? Well, I think you probably need to do a you know, really simple self-audit on your personal business and the tools that you're going to need to be a top agent. Yeah? And so to be a top agent... The reality is you're probably going to be carrying anywhere 10 to 15 vendors. You might be taking 20, 30 buyer inquiries per day. You might be making 20, 30 calls. So what are the things that you're going to need? Well, I talk about regularly, you know, to my team in particular, about the patterns of real estate. So it's a very habitual process, if that makes sense. So I think if you start with something as simple as saying, okay, let's have a look at an ideal week. So how does my, how does my week actually look? 
Then if you actually start to get disciplined around controlling your week, so rather, you know, if Tom Panos rings me today and says, hey, Phil, have you got, you know, I want to have a look at a property, can I meet you at the property now? You start to control your diary and splitting up into that AM and PM. So if you look at your diary and say, look, every morning I'm going to be office bound to at least 11.30, so start to control your diary. Um, the other classic things that I see is um, people, I see people with pieces of, writing down buyer's details on pieces of paper and bits and pieces and all those sorts of things. I've always operated simply from a day book. I work with a day book and I've got my task list that I write out every single What's day. What's a day book? Uh, it's just a, uh, a diary. Yeah, a, or not a, an A4 journal yeah. where every morning before I start my day, I might write out 10 or 15 tasks that need to be completed for that day. But then when I'm taking buyer inquiries during the day, I'm taking people's details inside that journal. Then that night, then I'll go and enter all those people into the database. So I've got, you know, simple capturing tools. But if I think if you can do an audit and have a look at those sorts of things, keep it simple um, and keep it organised. Okay, um, in terms of your personal organisation, you use uh, a day book. Yeah. Do you use Outlook as your appointment coming Yeah, up? Outlook. So I use, I use an iPhone and I have yeah. um, Outlook, which is sunk uh, back on my computer and all yeah. my PAs and people back at the office have got full access to that. So I run, I'm completely digital. My day book is purely there for capturing information. You got a to-do list? Absolutely. Do you write yeah. that down or it's on a uh, task or on some app? No, definitely written down in paper in that day book. Right. Okay. Um, can I ask you, uh, you wake up early or wake up late? What's, what's your rhythm? Um, so my rhythm for me, I'm out of bed by about 4.30 yeah. in the morning. So um, by the time I, I'm up and running by about a quarter to five. So I'm either going to be at the gym first thing or yeah. I'm going to be on the, on the pavement running. So I, I spend basically the first hour of my day getting myself prepared, being yeah. physically and mentally. So by about kind of five thirty, I'm feeling really good. Like I've exercised, I've I've written out a few goals, or I've written out a task list, and I've kind of spent maybe twenty minutes in quiet time. I'm showered, I'm ready to go. So I'm feeling pretty good by about five thirty, and then generally I'm kind of into the office by six six thirty. So I'm an early starter. My best energy is for me is between kind of five thirty and eleven a.m. Okay. Um, what time do you normally finish? Uh, the, I try to finish these days by 6pm. That's, okay. that's my goal, is to start early and finish early. I used to kind of go 8 to 8 or you know, pretty long hours. Now I still do reasonable hours, but I'm getting home at a sensible hour. Do you work 6 days or 5 days? I'm working 6, yeah. Um, do you do, you run options? Do you call your options? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, how many would you do, call, say, per month or... Uh, look, I, look, I'm not doing a whole, look, I might be doing, um, in a busy period, I might do 15, 20 a month, maybe, something like that. Not you're, all, you're mainly a private treaty business, aren't you? Uh, no, look, we are, look, we do do a, a, quite a lot of auctions, but I guess that the size of our business compared to some of our big competing franchises, we don't have the volume as, right. as some of these other businesses, but we do quite a few auctions. Yeah. Right. Uh, can I ask you, why are you hungry? You're a motivated person. Yeah. Is that... Is that natural? Um, oh, look, sometimes I have to work at it. Yeah, like everybody. I, I think you'd be lying if you said every day or I wake out of bed and, you know, wake up out of bed and I'm just pumped, ready to go. No, but I'm a very systemised person. I put some processes around it, so irrespective of how I feel, I've got good systems in place that get me into a motivated state by following those procedures that I, that I put in place. So what drives me, I guess, you know, I... In my mind, I believe that, you know, we're obviously only on the planet once, and so I, irrespective of wherever I end up, I don't compare myself to anybody else, but I want to get to the end of my life and know that I made the most of my talent, I guess. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, and I noticed, Phil, I've got to tell you, what I've noticed, some of the best people I interview, and the people that go on these vi uh, videos are always people that write a million bucks a year and over. And they've done well, because if you're writing a million bucks a year, you know what I mean, you're generally yeah. making more money than the average person in Australia is in a normal job. What I noticed is the real successful people do it not because they have to, but do it because they want to. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know whether it's a pride thing or whether it's, like you said, at your last hour, at your last day, you want to look back and say, Phil Harris played 10 out of 10 in life. Sure. Um, is that something that you were born with? Or do you do, do you do a lot of training? Do you listen to stuff? Or I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I've seen you around at seminars. Yeah. You did say to me last time I saw you, I was at your office, you said to me, Oh, I did an online course from uh, Robin Sharma. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, uh, three or four weeks later, it popped up on my screen. I paid my 500 bucks. I went and did it, and I was glad um, I did it. Excellent content. Do you do tra training? Um, you read books? What's your form of training? Uh, yeah, I, like, I guess I'm, I'm fanatical about training. Yeah, so I do um, plenty of online seminars. So, yeah, you mentioned Robin Sharma. I, I flew to Canada a couple of months ago and spent you know two days living over there and did a conference over there. Um, I attend plenty of uh, all, all of the major real estate conferences. Um, I read fanatically. I don't know, it kind of becomes an addiction, I suppose, where... You know, you, you just start to develop these lists of the more and more you learn, kind of the more you realise that you're only scratching the surface on your own potential, if that makes sense. So I have yeah. lists of books that I want to read, and I guess, you know... Do you read or listen to books? Uh, both. I'm more of a... I'm not a great reader, so I do I do read, but I, I try and, you know, probably put, you know... You know, close to an audio book away per week, yeah. uh, you know, of something. And Good one that you can recommend? Uh, what have I done lately? Uh, probably Stop Acting Rich. Yeah, great book. Great book called Stop Acting Rich. Just talks about um, the perception of what people perceive as wealth and, and how to get yourself financially organised. I did that in the last fortnight. That was good. Um, but I, I guess it comes down to what your desire is. And if, you know, yes, I do like real estate, but what I love a lot more so than real estate these days is seeing other people grow and other people develop. So, Are you, are you a decent manager? Uh, yeah, look, I do okay. Look, it's a really foreign turf for me, to be honest. I've always just been a salesperson. Uh, a salesperson. I'd say I'm much better at leading than what I am at managing. Right. Yeah. What's the difference in your eyes? What's, well, a, what's the difference between a leader and a manager? Well, I think I've made plenty of mistakes as a manager. So a manager is more technical about, you know, have we hit this KPI and have we done this or done that, whereas leadership is about, to me, it's not so much about what you say, it's what you do. So within my team, I'm kind of, I've said this to my team, you know, why do people stick with me within our business? Because I've made plenty of mistakes, but I've never made mistakes around integrity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So people will forgive you for, if you don't get a marketing project right, or this doesn't work out, but once you cross the line of integrity, people will turn their back on that and they'll walk away. Yeah. So. But what gets me more excited now than listing and selling properties is seeing young people in our business. You can take a 22-year-old kid who can now sell eight or 10 houses per month. That gets me excited. Right. Seeing people join our brand who are struggling, now selling five or six properties per month. Like That's the type of stuff that turns me on and go, wow, you've now got a different life because of real estate. Okay, so what you're saying is the transition of the bars of the list and sell and putting a deal together is now you're getting the same high 
in working with people that are improving their lives using real estate as their life improver and uh, what coaching them, training yeah, them and coaching. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite heavily involved with the guys in, in really working that, and I, you know, I, I guess I. I How many sales guys is in? The, uh, we're about 25 now. Do you go to listing presentations with them at all? Yeah, yeah. yep. So I'm out regular listing presentations and vendor meetings and set to sell meetings and all these sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoy the coaching side of it. I love challenging our staff to not compare themselves to others, but be the best that you can be. Not only real estate is probably a small part of it. I like challenging our people to be a, be a better person, have better health, have better fitness. Like seeing the transformation of some of our people now who have given up smoking, got a health plan in place, uh, got goals in place, are now doing well within their business. Now they're more valuable in the community because of the things that we're working on. That's kind of what, what gets me excited. Yeah. Phil, finishing up here, I want to uh, talk about two things because I've also heard you speak really good about a listing presentation, sure. and how to be liked, how to stand out. You know, Most vendors call three or four people out. Some tips on improving your conversion rate of listing presentations to listings. What are some of the things you can share? Uh, well, first you get really clear, get, put yourself in the psyche that if you're a vendor, what does a vendor really want out of today's real estate agent? And if you invite an agent to your home, there's really only two or three pieces of information that they really care about, yeah? Which is, what's your price? So how much are you gonna get me, yeah? How much are you gonna charge me, yeah? And probably one or two reasons why I should use you, yeah? So I think a lot of agents these days who are going out there to pitch to the consumer, they're, they're pitching in a space where the consumer's not even at. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're seeing long-winded, you know, flip chart presentation, all this type of stuff, and the consumer's sitting there going, you just don't really get me. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So yeah. really look at what does the consumer want and deliver your presentation based around that. So I'd say that if you're walking into a lounge room, and by the way, the best list is, it's a little bit like what we spoke about at the start of this program. You know, you can't just isolate a listing presentation because the listing presentation for the best agents in this country was actually one going back three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months ago when they were first put on the database. Yeah. So if you're looking for this silver bullet listing presentation, you're going to go and win it eight or nine times out of ten. Well, if you're going to compete with me and you've been on my database for 18 months and I've contacted you with uh, some information every week or two and I, I post you stuff and I email you stuff and I help you bid an auction and I help you buy a home, Good luck beating me because I've got 18 months of rapport. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, but agents don't get that. You want to talk about this magic money line that's going to make someone list with you. It comes back fundamentally to the relationship, yeah? But it also comes back to the one thing that most agents avoid is prospecting for that two or three hours per day. The more relationships that you build over a longer period of time, makes your listing presentation so much more easier when they've got social proof because they've worked with you as a as a buyer. Yeah. They've seen you send them information. So then really, you're walking to a lounge room just covering off on the basics that they want to know because they've already had your, they've tried you before they've buyed you, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, again, absolutely gold. The listing presentation has begun a long time ago before you've walked into that listing presentation. Um, finally, Phil, I want to ask you, if Phil Harris was meeting Phil Harris mm. at age 20, knowing what you know today, what advice would you be giving Phil Harris? Um, 
first thing is I would rather than rushing in and going out there trying to list themselves straight away, I'd really get myself get uh, ground zero built up correctly. Meaning that I jump on a plane or I would go and see the best people in the business first and get my base camp one hundred percent sorted. Yeah? yeah. So work out one, get a great listing presentation to start. So if I'm gonna do all this hard work, don't walk into the room and then blow it after yeah. prospecting for four weeks. So go and role play that, go and record that, go and get a system right that, that's a really rock solid listing presentation. Second, work out your prospecting plan. So you might have three or four or five spheres that, that generate your business, be it you know um, your sphere of influence, be it open homes, be it a core market area, whatever it might be. Get that right from day one. And probably the third thing is I think the best agents I'm seeing around the country are still specialising in one marketplace. Right, yeah. Elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, the best agents you know, are generally looking at a thousand homes, a thousand dwellings in an area, and they are doing the hard work that others aren't prepared to do, which is to go to council and get every single homeowner's details. Yeah. yeah. And so whether you live in Sydney, but you own a home in a, here in Adelaide, you'll be getting the quarterly marketplace report, you'll be getting just listers, just sold, the occasional telephone call. Create a bulletproof business, yeah, that generates you 30, 40, 50% market share in an area, hands down, because you know that your competition won't be doing that. And so the best agents have market specialisation as their, one of their core focuses. Bill Harris, I could talk to you for hours, but we know that video attention on people is low, like 20, Maybe 20 start The worm starting to fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got to tell you, I could, and, I, and I want to talk to you again because I feel I could do three or four videos. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Thank you. Thank you.